You're listening to the Rua Space Podcast. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Rua Space Podcast, where we help you make space for the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in your everyday life. I'm Phil, and today I am really excited to be joined by Tori Goebel, the national organizer and spokesperson for the Young Evangelicals for Climate Action. This is an organization that helps bring followers of Jesus together to take action and overcome the climate crisis that we all face as human beings but is central as well to our walk of faith and our testimony as followers of Jesus. Friends, I believe that climate change is one of the most important issues of our day, an issue not only close to the heart of God, but as you will see in our conversation, is an issue deeply interrelated to many other issues facing our world and central to our faith, such as justice and our original creation as human beings made in the image of God. So in this conversation, Tori shares some of her own story as well as helps us to see just why action and advocacy around climate change is so important. And she shares some really great steps that we can take as well as resources, which you can find in the description below to help you go further on this journey of loving God and loving others by caring for and advocating for the creation. So friends, thank you so much for joining us today. I pray that you find this conversation a blessing as it challenges you and encourages you in your walk of faith. Well, Tori, welcome to the Rua Space podcast. It's such an honor to get to talk with you today. Yes, hello. Thank you for inviting me to be on the show. I'm really glad to be here. Well, I originally found your organization, the Young Evangelicals for Climate uh, Action, because you guys have a lot of connections to Calvin, which is where my wife and I went. And so we're all thumbs up about that. Um, How long have you been there now? So I've been with YECA for about four years now. Before coming on board as national organizer and spokesperson, I was serving as the communications director. And our new communications director, Grace Swanson, actually went to Calvin as well. So our Calvin connections continue. Absolutely. So, you know, this is a podcast where we generally talk about spiritual formation and spiritual disciplines. But during this time of Lent, you know, whether people are listening to this during Lent or not, there's this connection during Lent to the fact that we come from dust and to dust we will return, that we are a part of the creation, right? And so that's what you, you guys are all about loving and caring for the creation. How did you come to this? Why this issue? So if you can share a little of your story, why does climate change matter to you? Yeah, so I grew up in a wonderful Christian home, um, going to church all the time, and I really developed a love for exploring God's natural world, being out in creation. I grew up in Connecticut, so I spent a lot of time enjoying the New England landscape all over, including my family from Vermont, and it's just absolutely stunning there. So I grew up with this deep love for being outside. But aside from recycling and savoring the goodness of creation, we did not spend much time talking about creation care beyond that, either at home or in the church even. And so the idea that caring for the environment could be a part of our faith and is something that we're called to was newer to me, especially in context of the climate crisis. So I went to Gordon College, a small Christian school here in Massachusetts, where I currently live. And one of our required classes had a module on energy and the environment. And that's the first place I really started to become aware of the climate science. 
and how it was impacting our neighbors here and now and how things like our energy usage and carbon footprint would have an impact on our neighbors, how things like air pollution have disproportionate impacts. The reality of the climate crisis is it's those that have done the least to contribute to the problem that will experience the most impacts. And so to me, it only made sense that Christians would really care about this issue and take it up, even though that wasn't really what I was seeing within church communities. It was a new concept to me that Christians could care about the climate crisis. And so I went on, I was studying communications, and I wasn't really sure how this newfound awareness of the climate crisis, my faith and my vocational calling really would all work together. They kind of were separate issues in my mind. And that's one of the reasons I love YECA so much, because we help people to draw those connections between what they're studying and what they're passionate about, as well as their faith and climate action and seeing how these aren't actually separate things, but things that are beautifully intertwined and that everyone has a reason to care about and take action on. And so I started working for YECA four years ago, and it's just been really wonderful to learn things, to more things to connect with young Christians around the country who are just learning about this issue, who have been focusing on it even longer than I have and are just really passionate about taking climate action as part of their faith. You know, one of the things you mentioned partway through that I think is so key is, you know, I mean, I remember growing up and, you know, they had the videos about, hey, you know, when you're brushing your teeth, turn off the water, right? Because it's gonna drain a lake or whatever it may be. And the real, real things that are real issues. But as, as, as I've gotten older, uh, and it, I've started to realize, as you mentioned, the disproportionate impact that climate change has on people who produce the least amount of uh, gases and such that cause the problem. So can you take us a little bit into the climate change issue, sort of what it is, because I'm sure a lot of people understand it, um, whether you're on board with, with it or not, uh, a little bit of what it is and why does it affect so disproportionately people, especially in third world countries, people who are already struggling with poverty, people who are subsistence farmers, these types of things. Definitely. So I am not a scientist by trade at all. So if folks are really looking to dive into the science more particularly to really start to understand that side of things, I definitely recommend checking out resources like NASA and Dr. Catherine Hayhoe is a Christian climate scientist, and she has a series called Global Weirding, which really explains the science far better than I could. Basically, it all comes down to the fact that human-caused fossil fuel emissions are creating damage to our climate system. I really like how Catherine Hayhoe illustrates it. Like God has created this perfect atmospheric blanket around creation that enables us to live and thrive. But when we're emitting more and more, we're adding an extra blanket. We are harming God's wonderfully designed climate system. Mm. And so that comes from things like the transportation sector, the cars we drive, um, trucks. It comes from our power generation. Really all parts of our lives are contributing to the problem. And it's a systemic issue as well. It's not something we can just co combat on our own. It's really important that we take steps in our own lives, but it's a really large systemic issue that requires 
bold responses. And the reason it has such disproportionate impacts because people with really carbon intensive lifestyles, lifestyles far more intensive than my own or probably our listeners as well. Um, and especially industries, heavily polluting industries go on polluting and continuing to harm our climate system compared to those with less resources to even have carbon intensive resources, lifestyles to begin with. And so we're looking at things like extreme weather events. While we can't contribute one hurricane or flood to the climate crisis, we do know climate change, one of its impacts is increasing the severity and the frequency of extreme weather events. And the reality is it is those who have been marginalized, those who are um, without the resources to properly respond to things like hurricanes coming in and destroying communities, communities that aren't those communities with the high intensive lifestyles. And so we have that issue. There's also communities, particularly communities of color and low income communities who have been redlined and live in areas with oil refineries, trash incinerators, all sorts of heavy pollution sites that are causing all sorts of health issues due to the poor air and water quality in their neighborhoods. So not only are they feeling impacts from the changes in the climate system, but they're also dealing with immediate impacts due to the changes in air and water quality. Yeah, it makes me think about even the fact that here in, you know, we, we both live in the United States and our listeners are some of them in Europe and other first world countries. Um, we all sort of have the resources, it seems, to fix the issue, you know, fix it, quote unquote, when it comes about. So, for example, a pandemic hits and people are struggling. So we up unemployment, we give out stimulus checks. I'm not saying that solves all the problems, but we can offer some of that help. One of the odd experiences I had was you know, when we've been in Africa and working with our friends who are subsistence farmers, it's like, man, when, when something happens and their crop is wiped out, there is no unemployment money to help. There is no stimulus check. There is no food bank. There is sort of nowhere to go. Um, there just simply is the loss and they have to sort of face that. And that seems to be some of the issue that people are facing right around farming and, and other things when it, when it hits those areas, what can people do, right? Exactly, it's deeply disproportionate, not just around the world, but even here in the United States. Um, because on a larger scale, the United States is a massive emitter of greenhouse gases countrywide. And that's impacting other countries who are not making the same decisions we are about where we get our energy. And they are indigenous groups and subsistence farmers who live far more sustainable and healthy lifestyles with God's creation. Mm -hmm. And they are being continually impacted by the way the United States is responding to the climate crisis. And we also have impacts that are deeply disproportionate in the United States. Um, even when we look at the pandemic and the way that intersects with things like air quality, it is low income and communities of color that live closest to heavily polluting sites like oil and gas refineries. And so they already have health impacts because of that. Then you add a respiratory pandemic on top of that mm -hmm. and the effects are just absolutely staggering. So it's definitely a deeply disproportionate and painful issue around the world and here in the United States. 
Yeah, it sort of gets to the intersection of all of life, doesn't it? That, you know, caring for the creation isn't just about the creation, but about loving our neighbor ultimately, right? It's about all these sort of justice things intertwined. And is that where the faith component sort of comes in for you? How do, how do you see that the I love God part with the caring for climate action component? Yeah, I think it is so deeply intertwined that it makes me wonder how I ever did not realize how intertwined that it was. So I think the first part is we are called right in Genesis to tend the garden, to care for what God has created, the natural world. I often like to think of it as our first job description Mm -hmm. as God's human creation. And so I think we are called to care for God's creation. We love God. So we love what God has created. And we are also called to love our neighbors. And as we've already discussed, climate change is deeply hurting our neighbors here in America and around the world. And so if we're called to love them and to care for them, then we ought to be responding to their needs, including the needs caused by climate change from extreme weather event to food insecurity, to land erosion, it just seems so deeply intertwined with what we're called to do as Christians. And I think caring for people's physical, spiritual, mental needs all relates back to caring about climate change. And I think no matter what drives you to this work, if it is your faith or other causes, there's a reason to care about climate change. If you're really passionate about the economy and good jobs, there's reason to take climate action and to create clean energy jobs that are going to pay high wages to help families survive. If you're really concerned about health, particularly children's health, there are reasons to care about the ways that we're polluting and harming God's creation. So I think coming at this from the lens of the faith is super important and that's what motivates me. But I think for anyone, regardless of what you're passionate about, there's ways that it ties back. Yeah, and you know, for people who are normal listeners to Rua Space, they know we talk a lot about things like contemplative prayer, centering prayer, Lexia Divina, meditation, all this type of stuff. And one of the things that I was really sort of surprised on is as I've you know, read more of people like St. Teresa of Avila and other sort of contemplative you know, mystics or writers of the past, almost always there is a connection between contemplative prayer practice and contemplative action, that all of them are like, hey, the the more you dig into the Holy Spirit residing in you, the deeper you dig into your relationship with God, the more you become aware of the action of the Holy Spirit in the world, that we, we connect to God more in order to connect to others more. And so this seems to be just absolutely central to that then is caring for how our purchases, how our actions, how the energy we're using affects the creation that God cares about, but affects others as well. So if we're talking then about that action component, what type of things would you say, like, you know, we've talked about systemic and we can sort of get to that as well, but on an individual basis, what, what can people do? What, if people are like, man, I I really want to do something, don't know where to start. What are some basic things people can start to do? And then we can move to the sort of what can systems begin to do? Definitely. So I really appreciate the focus on spiritual practices and how we connect with God and God's creation. I think it has been very deeply formative for me to engage in this work. I find that I often feel closest to God out in creation, and that does lead me to act to protect it. So 
future generations can have the same experiences to witness the goodness of God outside by looking at what's been created. And so I think individually, we can all look at our lifestyles and the ways that our consumption and just the ways we act can contribute to this larger problem. I know for myself and many people, we've looked at various ways to reduce meat consumption. And I don't think it has to be all or nothing. It's really hard to go vegan, especially right away. But developing a plant-based diet, starting with meatless Mondays, looking at the way how much meat you consume is contributing to the problem because industrial animal agriculture leads to a lot of emissions and especially pollution issues. And so cutting back on our meat consumption can be a really personal and meaningful way to learn more about where our food comes from, to try new fruits and vegetables and connect with the land and also reduce that harmful pollution. That's been really meaningful for myself and people within our network as well. You could also try to adopt things like walking to the grocery store if that's an option for you bringing reusable bags to the grocery store, looking at all the things that you do and finding ways to reduce that waste, to reduce trips in the car, maybe bundling your errands together, taking the bus, if that's an option for you, just looking at ways that work for you to cut back on emissions and consumption. And then I think moving into that systemic would be finding a movement. I would love if that's Young Evangelicals for Climate Action. Find a group of like-minded folks, young Christians, if that is your um, community, and plug in with them. Join something bigger than yourself to start making those actions really combine and being a part of the systemic changes as well. Yeah, because you guys do different advocacy things, right? And working with politics and such. What what does some of that look like? What kind of uh, on that sort of level, where do we see movement happening? Yeah, so there's two different levels to our advocacy. That first is political advocacy, holding our political leaders accountable and encouraging them to take action. Most recently, that looked like engaging in the 2020 election. We are nonpartisan and we were not endorsing candidates, but we did wanna help people be educated both on how climate change intersected with their vote, what, how do candidates feel about creation care? What are their stances? And then empowering them to go out and vote by helping them find their polling place and figure out what's on their ballot, when to vote, how to vote. And so really trying to mobilize our generation to get involved however they can. Coming up, we're going to be looking at economic recovery plans and trying to make sure that we're not just bailing out the fossil fuel industry and engaging in the same old ways of life, but rather using this as a unique moment to fundamentally change how we operate as a society, to invest in clean energy as a way to create jobs, to clean up the air and start addressing the climate crisis. I think that's going to be a key advocacy moment, especially over the summer. So if folks want to learn more about that, definitely head to our website. And we're just going to continue to encourage our leaders to take action and do the right thing. Another example is the Arctic Refuge Protection Act, which is a bipartisan bill seeking to protect the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge from oil and gas drilling. That is a really sacred place, and it's also a matter of indigenous sovereignty. The Gwich'in people call it home, and it is sacred, and we should be honoring their rights and sovereignty and also protecting I believe the last thing we need to be doing is creating more fossil fuel production in the United States. And so 
acts like the Arctic Refuge Protection Act can enable, enable us to cut back on fossil fuel production and start protecting God's creation and the people who call it home. Yeah, that seems to be an important balance between saying as an individual, there's things I can absolutely do. And when enough individuals begin to make those changes, it really starts to make a difference, right? But we can't, we also can't just stop at the level of, well, I'm just going to do me and what I can do and, and not pay attention to what the system is doing. It seems like there's a balance that has to sort of come into play there that we can't, we can't sort of ignore that larger story component, right? We have to sort of be involved in that. Definitely. I see it as two sides of the same coin, really, because I can't be on Capitol Hill advocating for the reduction of fossil fuel consumption while continuing to really consume it mindlessly in my own life. The reality is that we do need a just transition, a term used to describe as we transition away, making sure we're not leaving people behind. Not everyone can afford a brand new Tesla. We need to be making sure that we're not just continuing to put folks at a disadvantage as we transition to a clean energy economy. And so I think looking at individual action and providing meaningful ways to engage is just a great way to be faithful as Christians, to educate ourselves and really change how we live at home. And then taking that a step further, using our consumer power to apply pressure to companies and to political leaders. The second part of our advocacy work is also working with our church leaders. Like I said, it wasn't really talked about growing up in church and I would love to see more and more church leaders discussing this on Sunday mornings from the pulpit, having Bible studies focused on creation care. Because this is such a deep part of our faith, I think, we have a role in making sure we're chatting about it at church. That could be one-on-one -on -one discussions over coffee, just making this a practice within our church communities, because there's a lot that church communities can do to address this issue that are even more impactful than just on the individual level. And so I think that's another area where folks can really dive in and start advocating for change. What's one of the most encouraging things that's happened in your work in this time, in this space? And what's one of the most challenging? So encouraging on an organizational level is just seeing growth, um, both in who we've been able to reach, like how many people we've been able to engage and people who are getting involved with our work. Thanks to generous donors, we've been able to have more college fellows than ever. And I've been really encouraged to see that growth, both in people who feel called to support us financially and in young Christians who are ready to respond to that call and step up and take action and commit a whole school year to being a YECA fellow. I've been really encouraged by that and then seeing the work they've been able to do on their college campuses. And I think on a larger level, I'm encouraged that climate change is more a part of the national conversation. I think YECA was founded in 2012 out of the recognition that during that election, climate change was not an issue either candidate was talking about. No one was concerned about pollution and the way the climate crisis would start impacting the United States. And in this election, it was a major topic that came up in debates and it was something both candidates were discussing. It was something on the table and that conversation has continued even as we look at economic recovery. So I'm really glad it's becoming more and more of a conversation with both parties and seeing how leaders are putting those differences aside and trying to come together for serious action. My assumption is at this point that if someone doesn't 
believe that this issue is important. They've probably turned the episode off by now, but if they're still listening, um, do you have a word of encouragement or a word of maybe a challenging next step someone might take if they are thinking, oh, I, just, I just don't see it. I just don't see the impact. I don't think it's that big of a deal. What, what might you encourage them to say, hey, at least maybe check out this next step? First, thank you for listening. If that describes you, thank you for not turning us off already and taking a moment to hear what I have to say. I really appreciate that. I think that is a good next step is listening to opinions that might be different than your own. The resources I mentioned, Global Weirding with Dr. Catherine Hayhoe would be a great next step to learn more. You can also go to Climate Central and start learning about the impacts. My guess is depending on where you live, you probably are seeing the impacts and maybe haven't had a chance to make those connections yet. For instance, allergy season is longer because the warm season is longer. That also leads to an increase in vector-borne illnesses like Lyme disease from ticks, mm. diseases from mosquitoes, because seasons are getting warmer and wetter for longer, there's more time for things like allergies and ticks to come out and cause health impacts. You mm. could be seeing increased rainfall that's impacting farms in your community, maybe food supplies down. In the Midwest, we saw not too long ago, just extreme devastating floods all across farmlands. So I think if you look around in your community and Climate Central is a great resource, you just plug in your zip code and it'll show you things like allergy season, tick season, if that's relevant in your region, wildfire season, hurricane season, looking at the ways how that's getting a little longer, a little more intense, and starting to make those connections between the changing climate and those impacts you're probably already seeing in your community. And I think even if you are still skeptical on the climate science, definitely check out those resources. And also, this is just a great opportunity for economic growth, like I mentioned, clean energy jobs pay more and the job growth for wind and solar is higher than the entire fossil fuel industry combined. So if you're really passionate about the economy, for example, and healthcare costs will go down as we start to address air pollution mm -hmm. as well. So I think there are all sorts of reasons, even climate aside, that we can see how reducing pollution and harmful emissions will benefit communities. Um, so thank you again for sticking through this. And I really encourage you to check out those resources. And also, I've, the audience is mainly Christians, I'm sure. Open up the Bible and start reading about how God talks about creation. I used to only think creation was discussed in Genesis. But the reality is when you read, when you read scripture through a creation-minded lens, you realize the beautiful way the psalmist writes about creation. Mm -hmm. And even in the New Testament, talking about how all creation testifies and glorifies God. Um, there are all sorts of ways we can see the way God loves creation and uses it to point us towards God. And I think that is also a very good reason to care about conservation and caring for God's creation so that other people can witness the power and the majesty and be awed in creation and have those really beautiful eye-opening experiences as well. We can't do that if we are opening up all the public lands to oil and gas drilling. We can't do that if wildfire season is ravaging the beautiful West Coast. And so there's all sorts of reasons, science aside, that we can care about this issue. And I think our faith really does call us to care for God's creation in whatever way we can and to help preserve it for future generations.
Yeah, that interconnectedness just continues to blow my mind, which I know we talked about earlier, but the relationship to allergies, to rain, to healthcare costs, to the economy. And you know, I think the more we think about it, it makes sense because our God is a Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, an interconnected community. And so God created our world to uh, dance together. And so these things all affect one another. So I think that's a beautiful picture that's been painted and definitely some challenging and encouraging things in there. Tell us for just a couple minutes a little bit more about Young Evangelicals for Climate Action, that if people want to get involved, what types of things are at the site? What kind of things can they do to get involved? I know you guys invite people to do climate testimonies. So maybe just a few things that they can do with you guys and where they can find that. Yeah, so if you head to yecaction.org, you can also just Google YECA or Young Evangelicals for Climate Action, and you will find all sorts of great things on our website. Under resources, you'll be able to see a Bible study that our last national organizer created that goes through the entirety of scripture. If you're really looking to dive into more of that angle, then definitely check out that Bible study as a way to learn more about what scripture says about God's creation and our role there. And there's also resources to engage with prayer. If you want to hold a prayer gathering on your campus community, we'll have that on the website. And there's just other opportunities to learn more about the science as well. If you just want to be on an email list and learn more about YCA and keep up with our news, you can sign up there. If you'd like to take it a step further, um, we have our Climate Leadership Fellows. That application will be open until the end of the month. I'm not sure when this podcast will go live. If you did miss the deadline or you're looking for another type of program, our Climate Advocates Program is a great way to receive training if you really wanna dive into this and start taking action. We have an online training that's a part of that. And then you'll join a community of other young Christians around the country. Um, And every month we host webinars to learn more about issues and just connect with one another. You can also take our pledge. That's a great way to get on our email list and to let us know that you are interested in taking action with YECA. And like you mentioned, we also have climate testimonies. If you're really fired up about this and want to make a video, we have climate testimonies on our website. And that's a great way to use videos to help tell the story about why you care about God's creation and what drew you to this issue. And that's really great to share with your pastors as well, share with your parents and your church leaders to help start those conversations in a really natural way. You can even share it on Facebook or Twitter and then let people come to you to learn more. So all sorts of ways you can take action on all different levels. And I really hope you'll check it out at yecaction.org. I love all of it. That is so great. So let's, as we move to the final few minutes we have here, can you offer a final word of encouragement or challenge? What would you sort of leave our listeners with? I would just like to let people know, remind you that you don't have to change some values and communities that you hold dear to care about climate change. There was once a point in my life where I thought climate change was only a really liberal issue for fans of Al Gore and hippie tree huggers. And that just wasn't me. So caring about God's creation couldn't be for me. That could not be further from the truth. It is a core part of our faith. And regardless of your political party or if you're not involved in politics at all, regardless of what you grew up hearing in church, and you don't have to turn your back on your community or change your core values. Rather, climate action can be a way to live those out more fully and in new ways. 
So I would just encourage everyone that it doesn't have to be scary and you don't have to change your identity to start caring about this issue. And there are lots of young folks, myself included, who kind of had to change our thinking. And it's scary sometimes to realize you were wrong about something, to realize that this problem is large, even that is scary, just acknowledging the scale of the problem. But there are plenty of young people, myself included, just like you, and there's a movement out there and this will be such a deeply rewarding and enriching experience to care for God's creation, to have these conversations and to get connected with young people. It has just been the joy of my life to be involved in this work. And I'm just really excited that everyone took the time to listen to this podcast today. And I just encourage you to keep learning more and keep striving out ways to be faithful little by little every day. Amen. Well, Tori, thank you so much. That was such an encouragement. So many good resources there, friends. So I will do my best to put some of those links in the description so you can go straight to these places that she's been talking about to go deeper. And Tori, thank you again. What a blessing. Thank you so much for having me on. It was great to be here. Hey friends, Phil here again. Thank you so much for joining us for this conversation today. Before you go, I just wanted to encourage you once again to go check out all those great resources that Tori talked about in this episode, which you can find the links for in the description below, as well as to go deeper with the Young Evangelicals for Climate Action. And if you enjoyed this interview, friends, we do lots of these on Rua Space. I encourage you to go through the archives. You can find conversations about all kinds of different aspects of faith, spiritual formation, and more. And of course, if you've been blessed by this Rua Space podcast, we are so grateful for all of our Patreon supporters. I would love if you would go click that link for Patreon below in the description. And if you're interested in supporting the ministry to help us continue to take the next steps, as well as gain exclusive access to some podcast episodes, studies, guided practices, live events, and more that we do over on Patreon for just a few dollars a month, you can get access to all of that, as well as help support the ministry. So friends, thank you again. And until next time, grace and peace be with you.